The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. It's not often that the federal government accuses a major U.S. company of being a monopoly. There are the famous examples of AT&T and Microsoft. And now there's Google. In October, the Department of Justice sued the company for running a monopoly in internet search. It's likely to usher in a new wave of tech regulation in the U.S. But in Europe, tech companies have been under a microscope for years. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. This season, we're doubling down on the past, jumping further back into the archives of Barron's to explore why companies, ideas, and industries thrived, even as others failed to meet their promise. In our frenetic news cycle, those stories are quickly forgotten, even though they hold valuable lessons for the future. Today on the show, an interview with the woman leading Europe's battle against big tech. I'm so excited for our guest this week that we're just going to cut right to the chase and introduce her. This is Margaret Vesterher. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. I have a microphone in my face. I'll try to put it down. Yes, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Now I see you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I know you have many things on your plate, especially these days. You might not be familiar with the Danish lawmaker, but I can guarantee you that executives of the biggest U.S. tech companies know who she is. Margareta Vesteyer, branded by U.S. President Donald Trump, the tax lady that hates the U.S., as Europe's Commissioner for Business Competition, Margaret Vesteyer, makes companies like Facebook and Google and Apple very, very nervous. Her office has slapped them with billions of euros in fines and settlements. Google has abused its market dominance as a search engine by giving illegal advantages to another Google product, its shopping comparison service. What Google has done is illegal Besseher's full title is Executive Vice President of the European Commission for a Europe Fit for the Digital Age. She's also European Commissioner for Competition. In short, I'd say she's the most important tech regulator in the world, especially as U.S. officials have basically punted on the role, at least until recently. I spoke with the commissioner for a two-episode special we're doing on big tech companies and how to deal with their mounting power. Vesteher has spent the last several years issuing big fines against big tech. Later this month, she plans to take those efforts much further with two new legislative proposals that will, quote, keep Europeans just as safe online as they are in the physical world. So I find this to be very important. And the two things, they complement each other. One is about how services should be provided on the services themselves. And the second is about the marketplace, how to make sure that that is transparent and open and it's actually visible what role the gatekeepers are playing. But before we get into that and what that might mean for big tech, let's talk briefly about the history of antitrust, essentially the practice of constraining corporate power and protecting free trade. Over the centuries, antitrust has been about consumers and what they pay for things. The fear was more power led to less competition and higher prices. You may remember studying antitrust cases about railroads, oil, and telephone companies. In the 21st century, though, everything has been turned on its head. Tech companies are plenty powerful, but some of the biggest names don't even charge for their products. And how do you prove consumer harm if everything is free? 
In the U.S., that question has continued to trip up lawmakers, judges, and regulators, who are searching for new ways to regulate big tech. But in Europe, Vesseher has been full steam ahead. The European Commission ruled today that Ireland must collect $14.5 billion in back taxes from Apple. The announcement fueled new tensions between the U.S. and Europe over the role of multinational corporations, how they're taxed, and whether it should be considered a subsidy. Her biggest antitrust probe so far has targeted Google. That one's come in several parts. And the European Union has hit Google with a record fine equal to $5 billion. The EU says Google violated antitrust laws with its dominance of its Android operating system. This is a case where we find that Google has put in place three illegal restrictions to cement its dominance in search. And the latest charge from just last month centers around Amazon. Let's turn our attention to uh, Jeff Bezos this morning because he is now uh, in the firing line uh, across the pond. The European Commission is planning to announce formal antitrust charges against Amazon, and they're planning to do it today. The case focuses on... Vesseher's efforts have faced serious pushback from the big tech companies. Apple has been fighting the tax collection and won a key court victory earlier this year. Google has said people use its products by choice, not because they're forced to. And Amazon has reiterated its commitment to small businesses. With pricing no longer the main target of antitrust, Vesterher has concluded that in today's world, data is power. Take Amazon. Here's what Vesterher told me about their vast data collection. Amazon Retail seems to have all the data of all these hundreds of thousands of retailers on what people buy, how they pay, if they return it, when they ask for the guarantee to be used. And that, of course, can be used to minimize your risk to the extreme. She's looking into whether Amazon and other platforms get an unfair advantage by using their internal data to undercut rivals. We have seen before in history what happens to markets first and then societies if they are monopolized, because it tends to be intransparent power, rules set without a democratic legitimacy. And that is undermining. So I think it's overdue that our democracy catches up and say, this is the direction that we want to go. So far, though, fines haven't been enough to get us there. Meanwhile, Google is now hitting an all-time high today. This apparently investor shrugging off that record EU fine. Christina Parts and Ambulance is with us. What's it, five point? So what are the other steps regulators can take? It has three different elements. One is the fine to punish past illegal behavior. Second thing is what we call cease and desist. Well, stop what you're doing and don't do anything similar. And then the last thing, which is still sort of work in progress in order for us to get it right, that is sort of the restoration of the marketplace of competition. And here, I think in, in the future, you will see us pushing much more. This last approach is what's key for regulators, finding ways to level the playing field and ensure that big tech doesn't squeeze out competition, new or old. It's hard to imagine anyone choosing to use a different search engine these days. But the fact is, we don't really know if there's a better technology out there. That's the risk with a few companies dominating the market. Vesterher has multiple proposals on the way, which she says will be the EU's most important regulatory effort yet. The proposed laws, in part, will seek to make big tech companies more transparent about their decisions and algorithms. Under Vesterher's leadership, Europe has taken the clear lead in pushing back on tech's power. 
U.S. lawmakers and regulators have recently gotten more aggressive, but the EU commissioner is still the one pushing the envelope. So I had to ask Vestager to compare her approach to the one on this side of the Atlantic. How would she grade the U.S. response to big tech? Oh, I would never do that because that is none of my business. I have my business here, so to speak. And the market circumstances are not always the same. The legislation is not always the same. That being said, of course, I follow very closely the cases that the DOJ and the FTC have brought forward. These are big cases, really serious cases. And I, I admire these steps that has been taken. And I've been following the debate very closely. When I started walking up and down the hill in the first year of my first mandate, people were kind of saying, what is it that you're doing, you Europeans? Huh? Why is this? And that has changed completely over these five to six years. There is a different dialogue, both sides of the aisle. There's a different approach to big tech. And I think there is a kind of, if not convergence, then at least we have some of the same discussions. I, th I think, for instance, that the privacy legislation in Europe inspired a lot of debates also in the U.S., I also wanted to talk to Vestager about the reputation most politicians have for not really understanding tech. After all, it's tough to regulate something you don't use. Every time we have tech-related hearings in the U.S., there's always an awkward dynamic between congressmen and the CEOs. Mr. Zuckerberg, I remember well your first visit to Capitol Hill back in 2010. You spoke to the Senate Republican High Tech Task Force, which I chair. You said back then that Facebook would always be free. Is that still your objective? Senator, yes. There will always be a version of Facebook that is free. It is our mission to try to help connect everyone around the world and to bring the world closer together. In order to do that, we believe that we need to offer a service that everyone can afford, and we're committed to doing that. Well, if so, how do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. I see. Is that a difficult dynamic for you and for your colleagues to sort of keep up with these fast-moving tech companies? Well, unfortunately, it's, it's an asymmetry that will never go away. Take a, a trivial example. Someone is breaking into your home. It takes them like three minutes. They're in, they're out. It will take the police quite some time to get there, to find the fingerprints, to find someone, to charge them for a judge to make a judgment. So, so there will always be an asymmetry. But that being said, obviously we can do more. And for the first time in many years, we used a tool which is called intermediate measures, which basically says, stop what you're doing now. And while you have stopped what you're doing, we investigate the case with all the strings and bells and whatever you have due process in order to prevent harm from happening. And you know, once you have used a tool once and it's on your workbench, then you're much more likely to use it again. Investors have spent the last several years almost indifferent to regulation, whether from Europe or the US. Regulators issue fines, lawsuits, and strongly worded statements. And yet tech stocks just keep going up. I asked Vestager, why don't investors care more about regulation? I think it shows that technology is here to stay. We're in the process of digitizing our societies. So, you know, the first comers, those who have been successful in the first, you know, really big wave, I think there is sort of an investor's trust that it will remain that way. So I don't think it's a reflection of whether or not you exactly trust the exact company, depending on sort of authorities 
finding illegal behavior or not. I think it's, it's a reflection of the fact that what we're in now, this sort of giant global transformation, people see that this is here to stay and they want to be part of it. This might be the toughest part of a regulator's job. While there are certainly worries about privacy, transparency, and competition, for the most part, everyone loves the benefits of technology, especially during the pandemic, when things like the cloud, video chat, and e-commerce have provided lifelines for us all. So how do you tell love companies to stop what they're doing? You know, Facebook is very troubling to a lot of people, and yet 1.8 billion people are using it every single day. As I think about it, I feel like if you were to ask people, would you prefer a world with the current Google or no Google at all, or the current Amazon or no Amazon at all, they may make a decision where they still wanted these companies as they are today because of the utility and what they provide. But I don't think that's a choice. That having Google or not having Google, having Amazon or not having Amazon, having Facebook or not having Facebook. The choice is, what are we asking of powerful companies? Because I think it's completely justified to say, you're more than welcome to be successful. When you have great products, people like what you're doing, you grow, it's, it's all good. But with power comes responsibility. So the real question is, what should we ask of businesses this powerful? And we cannot decentralize that to each and every one of us. Thank you for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadback@barons.com. Thanks to Margaret Vesterher. And for more coverage on the future of big tech, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Litoff and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Next week on the show, regulatory battles between big tech and officials in Europe and the U.S. have now become inevitable. But could tech companies have avoided the showdown? And is there more they can do to fix their own mess? There's a lot more that the technology companies should be doing to help investors understand the ways in which they make money. We'll be back next week. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.